We have guest speakers today, uh, Brother Chad and Sister Rachel Hayes and their daughter, Bethan. They have, uh, she's just this really, really pretty little girl right here on the front row, and she's sweet too. They have three boys, uh, 14, 13, and 10, I think, that couldn't be with them today. But we had a picture of their family. Their family is just absolutely beautiful. Uh, I got a chance to visit with Brother Chad yesterday for a few hours, and he walked me through his journey. And he's just been serving the Lord for a long time in a lot of different capacities. Very gifted man. We're just so blessed to have them. Before Brother Chad comes to speak, uh, they, they come as a team. And this is the way God ordains it and designs it. And uh, we got to meet his wife a bit too. And I'll tell you right now, she's strong and she's deep. Amen. She's, she's the real deal. Amen. Big hand clap for Chad and Rachel Hayes. Sister Rachel's going to come and sing, okay? It's good to be with you today. I, um, I love the presence of the Lord. And the presence of the Lord is what... When he sent the disciples out, he said, I send you with my power and authority. And even though he had to call him in a few times, Simon Peter, come on back here. Can you just imagine Peter? He's like, oh, what have I done now? But I'll tell you something, you only get power and authority from presence. And if you don't abide in presence, we cannot operate in that power and authority that only comes from God. And I tell you what, we're living in a day where I believe that things are dark in the world. Um, I was having a debate last week. I like debates, but I choose the people I have debates with. <laughs> I'm a picky person. Um, <laughs> and I was debating on, I said, we need the women of God to rise. I said, because something's happening. I've never been so stirred up as a woman. I even, I'll even confess to you, you might not like me after this one, but... You might think I'm a troubled soul after this, but I said, Lord, I said, I don't understand why man gets to submit to you, perfect, blameless, holy and pure. And us women got to submit to men. I don't get it. And I had said, I broke before God. I wept on the floor. I snotted in my carpet. I cleaned it after myself. And I said, God, I don't know why. And then I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, I'm going to search for the scriptures. I'm going to find my soul needs to be at rest about this. And I came with the result and women have asked me, said, what was your result? Tell us, we sense it too. And my result was this, you are God and I am not. Where was I when you established the four corners of the earth? And there is a way to God and it is right. And I trust the sovereign plan of God. But I tell you something, I, I believe this wholeheartedly. It's only women that can speak against abortion. We women need a voice in the kingdom of God. You're great at looking enough to the nursery department. You're great at putting the coffees on and the cakes and all that jazz. And we need that. But I tell you what, God wants women to take that place of teaching the word of God. Not taking over men. It's not a rebellion. It's in full submission. But we need to speak a thing against the things of darkness that men are rejected on. And there's tremendous power in that. It's true I encourage you today, as a woman rise, as a man or woman arise in the things of God, because God needs us to stand in power and authority. I tell you what, if you're not submitted to authority, you can't be an authority. 
If you're not submitted to an authority, you can't be an authority. And God has called us with a great calling to serve him. I'm going to play a song. I want to sing this. This is one of my favorite songs. And if anything, this song is just for me and Jesus, if you don't like it. But it is a beautiful song. It's from when I was a little girl. And it's one of my favorites. But if you know it, worship with me on this. And then I'm going to sing a song I wrote. For you alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire. To worship you, and I long to worship you, yes, and I long to worship you alone. I'm a strength, my shield, all to you. Spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. Yes, and I long to worship you. As I drove in yesterday, we came across southern Indiana from Evansville and across the southern part of the state. It was very, very dry. And this region needs rain. And we thank God for the cool front that came in and cooled us off. But we need rain in this region. I, I grew up in South Texas, so I know what dry seasons are about. I know what the drought is like. And you know, the Lord, as I was sitting here earlier in worship, the Lord put a word in my spirit. I didn't understand... Uh, what, it, what it meant, what it was for. But as my wife led us through this worship, I, I feel like I've got a, a picture of what, it, what it's about. And the word is, is out of Second Chronicles chapter 16, uh, delivered by the seer Hanani to King Asa. And King Asa was at a point where uh, he, he was beginning to put trust and confidence in the Assyrians instead of looking to the Lord. And, and the word from, uh, King, King, or from Hanai to King Asa, he, he says to him, look, you, you put confidence in the Lord to deliver you and to, to give you victory uh, with, with the Ethiopians. But now you're beginning to lean and trust on the strength of the Assyrian. 
And the word of the Lord comes to, to King Asa and he says this, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout all the earth, looking that he might show himself strong to those who are faithful to him. And, and, and there's a passage in Hosea, he says that, that the faithfulness of man is like the morning cloud. I learned what the morning cloud was in South Texas. We were in a long drought, over 40 days without rain, late August, 100 and, uh, 105, 108 degree temperatures, all, all that, that entire season, and the, the pastures were parched, the horses and cattle had eaten all of the grass off, literally down to the dirt. We're having to feed hay and grain and water those, the, the, the livestock daily. And I remember getting up one day, heading to our, to our barn. I, I worked as a ranch hand back then. It was in my Bible college days. And I remember heading to the barn to, uh, to, to take care of the, the horses. And there was heavy clouds. I mean, rain clouds. It looked like rain was coming for sure. Certain. But I'm going to tell you this. By lunchtime, those clouds had dissipated. You know friends whose faithfulness is like that? By lunchtime, they're gone. They say they'll be there, but they're gone by noon. Right? And that's what Hosea said. The faithfulness of man is like the morning cloud. But he says in that same passage, the faithfulness of God is like the morning sun. How many of you know that every morning when you wake up, the sun's going to be there? Even on a cloudy day, the sun's there. It may be behind the clouds, but the sun is there. We can count on God like we can count on the sun rising every single morning. That's the faithfulness of God. And we cannot put our confidence in, in our ability. We cannot put our confidence in man. We can't put our confidence in methods, the Assyrians, or what anything this world has to offer. We can only put our confidence, trust, and hope in God because He is faithful. Amen? How many of you know that God is faithful? How many of you know that God is good? How many of you know that every good and every perfect gift comes down from above? From the Father of lights in whom is no variableness or shadow of turning. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can trust in our God. Amen? So God has not raised up return church so that you will fizzle out. He is a faithful God. Amen? And He will sustain you. And He's raised you up. And He is going to send the rain. Amen? He is going to pour out His Spirit. He is going to do a work. Amen? He's a faithful, faithful God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. As you have figured out, I'm a South Texas boy. I'm lost in Minneapolis. We're living in the suburbs of, of uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's cold up there. It is raining up there. We had a week of rain, a week of cold weather. It was 46 degrees when we left Friday morning to come, come here. Very, very cold for this South Texas boy anyway. It's warm for them. We, we, we actually made it down this winter to negative 54 degrees last February, and I didn't leave the house. <laughs> I stayed at home and worked from home that day. That's too cold for the South Texas boy. So I'm a South Texas boy living in Minneapolis, married to a, a, a British lady. I'm in, right now I think I'm in the middle of the largest uh, metropolitan area of Kentucky, and I'm in Indiana somehow, so I'm just really confused. <laughs> God is good, isn't he? Amen. This, this, this is a beautiful place. We, we have enjoyed worship this morning. The, the Spirit of God is here. The presence of God is here. 
And I, I love worshiping people. I love people. You, you can sense this is a praying church. Amen. This is a church that knows what it means to walk with God. And I can sense that. We appreciate that. We appreciate your leadership, Pastor Bill and Elizabeth. And uh, we got to meet them about a year, year and a half ago, have lunch with them. And we, we appreciate just the opportunity to be here this morning. We've gotten to know some of your leadership uh, and uh, just appreciate what God is doing in this house. Amen. And there, there is a purpose. Amen. There is a reason uh, that the Return Church is here. I believe it's going to impact. Beyond anything that you can think, beyond, beyond anything that you can comprehend, I believe there's an impact that this church is, is called to make in this region and to the world, to the nations. Amen? We need vision for the nations, and I believe this church has that. I've heard that and understand that, and I appreciate that very, very much. And so, uh, delight and honor to be here. I, w- I want to talk about hearing this morning. Tried to come up with a clever title this morning, just haven't come up with it yet. So we're just going to talk about hearing. Uh, I heard about a, an evangelist. He was visiting a church, and a man came up to him in the altar. He said, I want you to pray for my hearing. So the evangelist, I mean, this is a Pentecostal church, so he grabs him by the ears, you know, lathers up with oil, grabs him by the ears. He begins to pray, Lord, hear this, bless this man, touch his hearing, and prays at the good Pentecostal prayer, several minutes just praying, Lord, bless his hearing, bless his hearing, heal, heal him, heal him, all this goes on and on and on. And he steps back and he says, all right, how's your hearing? And he says, well, I don't know, it's not till Tuesday morning. <laughs> We need to be careful what we hear. Make sure we're hearing the rights. Amen. I had an opportunity to, to speak to Samuel this morning. He's interpreting into Spanish this morning. And, you know, uh, there's complications, interpretations, right? We've got to make sure we're getting the right message. I'm married to a British lady. And, and somebody rightly said that the United Kingdom and the United States are the only two nations separated by the same language. Sometimes she's saying something and I'm hearing something else, right? When we were dating, she said, put this in the boot. And I'm like, uh, hey, I'm, when, when we talk about boots in Texas, there's only one kind of boot, right? In the UK, that's the trunk. And so I was confused. And so uh, we, we've got to learn to hear. We, we've got to be able to hear the voice of God. I want to direct you to a passage of Scripture, just one, one verse out of this passage. In First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, it's a passage about the sons of Issachar. This is the coronation of David, David coming to the throne and, and his, his administration being set up. And it, I want to read just one verse concerning that. And it's the 32nd verse. It says, of the sons of Issachar, there, there, were, there were men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren were at their command. There were of the sons of Issachar men who understood the times and knew what to do. It's one thing to understand the times. It's com- something completely altogether different to know what we need to do. We need to know, as the children of God, what we need to do. How many of you know that as the children of God, we are led by the Spirit of God? Amen. And, you know, there's a lot of things we could do, but we need to hear the voice of the Spirit and do what He's telling us to do. Jesus said, I I, I don't do anything unless I see my Father do it. I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. Amen. We, We, as the people of God, need to learn to hear the voice of God, follow the lead of the Spirit of God. 
We're living in interesting times. And just some statistics, I do, and I do, I study statistics, I study methods, I study strategies and all that kind of thing. But I believe at the end of the day, it comes to hearing the voice of God. And we need to understand the times, we need to hear the voice of God, what we need to be doing in these times. What is God telling us to do? And just to give you an understanding of what the the ability to understand time and where, where they were at for the sons of Issachar. If you read in the Targum, which is kind of a Jewish commentary on the scriptures, it, reading in the Targum, it tells us that, that these guys had an, an extreme ability uh, to read the stars, astrology, not the, not the weird, like, you know, your, your horoscope for the day. It wasn't that kind of thing, but they, they saw the, the stars and understood the seasons. It was, how many of you have heard about the, the blood moons and the, the, the dark moon and all that? That was set long ago by the sons of Issachar. They predicted when these cycles of moons would happen, and all of the feasts and festivals of Israel were based on the cycles of the moons. It was the sons of Issachar that established that. They understood the times of God and what the people of Israel were to do in those times. So we, I believe, as the people of God, ought to be discerning. We ought to be like the apostles were in Acts chapter 16. They said we were going through Asia and the Holy Spirit forbid us to preach. I mean, they are under the control of the Holy Spirit. We would have gone to Mysia and the Holy Spirit restrained us. We would have gone to Bithynia, but the Holy Spirit said no. But as they went to sleep, a man appeared in a dream. A man from Macedonia saying, come to help us. How many of you know the apostles were led by the Spirit of God? They knew what the Spirit of God was up to. I don't want to just do something and pray, God, bless it. I want to figure out what God's doing and get in the middle of it. Amen? Because it'll be blessed. It will be blessed when you figure out what God's doing and you join with Him in His work on planet Earth. Amen? So some, some statistics here. Uh, in, in 1970, there were approximately, according to the best statistics, 1.2 billion Christians on the planet. The year 2014, their most recent study, they found out that there were 2.6 billion Christians on the planet, more than doubling in 40 years. The earth has seen the greatest harvest in, his, in the history of our planet over the last 40 to 50 years. In 97% of the countries on our planet, 97% of the countries on our planet, new birth is exceeding the birth rate. In other words, the church is growing in 97% of the nations of our... Now, you won't hear that on Fox News or CNN. They don't like to report that stuff. Right? It's all the doom and gloom and all the negative things that are going on in our, our world, right? But 97% of the countries on planet Earth, Christianity is growing and advancing. Amen. Iran. Iran has the fastest growing church on the planet today. Iran. It's amazing. The government is beginning to do research to figure out why this is happening and how they can stop it. But it's the fastest growing church on the planet. Now here's the bad news. The United States of America is in the 3%. In the United States of America, the birth rate is greater than the new birth rate. There are more people being born in our nation than there are being 
born again. It's tragedy. We were once the great sending power of the world, and now nations are sending missionaries to us. So how do we, the church of the United States of America, how do we, the people of God, need to respond? There's a, a generational gap. You, you do the research and studies, we're finding out that millennials, this millennial generation, doesn't want to go to church. How do we, as the people of God, respond to that? We can study, we can do research, we can do the statistics, we can uh, understand where we're at, try to find all these strategies and all these things, we can, all these ways that we can reach millennials, all these ways that we can relate. But I believe the answer ultimately comes down to us stopping, getting before the Lord, and hearing His voice concerning this day that we live in, and how we ought to respond to it. I believe that that is key. We have to be able to hear the voice of God. So how do, we, how do we go about that? I want, I want to start with this idea. How about we just shut up? Amen. The greatest piece of advice, the greatest thing that I've learned about prayer in the last several years is this, that I just need to shut up. Usually when we come to God, we just come to Him and we run off our list of needs, all the things that are going wrong in our life, all the things that we need help with, our prayer requests, our laundry list. And, and trust me, God loves to hear that. God wants us to bring our needs to Him. I'm not denying that in any way. But can you imagine if I walked into my house, told my wife everything that I wanted her to do for me, and then went to my bedroom and turned my TV on to watch the football game and never talk to her again. That's how we treat God. Lady, there was a lady in our church in Texas when I was pastoring down there. She had a prophetic gift. It was evident. It was obvious. But she began to prophesy in a way that was confusing to our local body. She, wanted to, she, came, she would come to me every Sunday morning wanting to prophesy. And eventually I would say, no, it's not the time. Not now. Kindly, graciously. But as a shepherd, I had to guard the church. And I had to say, no. I had to say, no. And one day she came with her husband and, and just in tears, and you could tell she was frustrated that there was something just turmoil in her heart turning over. And, and, and she said, Pastor, I, I, I don't get it. She said, I used to prophesy, and it would just be so clear, and the word would hit the mark, and God would use me in such a powerful way. But now I just so, feel so, so frustrated in my gift. And I looked at her, and I smiled, and I said the word that God put in my heart, shut up. I said it very kindly, said it very graciously with a smile. And she looked at me. She said, Pastor, what do you mean? And I said, Cheryl, you have a gift that God has given you to prophesy. That's unquestionable. But you're frustrated in that gift. And what you need to do is you need to be silent. And you know, you need to go and sit before the Lord. And you need to wait for him to speak to your heart. And when he speaks to you, when you hear the voice of God, then you speak. And I'm going to tell you, like a dart, you will hit the bullseye. And sure enough, it was frustrating for her. And she did that. It was, it was several, several months. And the next time she prophesied, I was actually sitting at a dinner table. She had made lunch for me and her husband. And we were sitting there together at the table. And she began to prophesy to me about a situation that she had no, absolutely no insight into. And she hit the mark like a, a marksman. She read my mail and gave me the word of the Lord, some wisdom for the situation I was going through. And helped me through that situation. Sometimes the greatest thing that we can do is just still ourselves. 
and be quiet before the Lord. Listen to what Solomon says about it in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. He says, as you enter the house of God, keep your ears open. This is a New Living Translation. And your mouth shut. I love it. Just shut up. I'm talking to myself, not you. It's evil to make mindless offerings to God. All the babbling that we do is just a mindless offering sometimes to God. Just be quiet. Don't make rash promises. Don't be hasty in bringing matters before God. After all, God is in heaven. You are here on earth. So let your words be few. I mean, really, who are we with our little pea brain minds trying to advise God? Have you ever tried to advise God? Have you ever tried to give God counsel? Lord, if you would just do it this way, it'd work out. Right? Job did that. And God responded to Job. God responded to Job. Job chapter 38, verse 2. He said, as soon as you opened your mouth, Job, you darkened my words because your words lack wisdom. I mean, who on earth? You are in heaven, and here we are on earth. You see everything. You know the end from the beginning. Infinite understanding, knowledge, and wisdom. And we're here with our little finite pea brain, uh, and we're trying to counsel God. We're trying to give him advice. We just need to learn to zip it and say, Here I am, Lord. Speak. Your servant is listening. It's the first step in hearing the voice of God. We just need to be quiet. Stop babbling, stop rambling, sit before God and say, speak. It's an important part of our prayer time to just silence ourselves before the Lord and hear what God has to speak into our spirits. Just be quiet. Second thing is, is, is and this is, I think, the key to increasing in the ability to hear. Second thing is, we need, when, when God speaks, we need to learn to obey. Yes. Not just be hearers of the word, but to become doers of the word. The key to increasing an ability to hear is obedience. When we hear and obey, God will speak again. But if we hear and don't obey, why in the world would he say anything else? He's still waiting for us to do the first thing that he told us to do. And so the key to increasing and in hearing, it, our ability to hear, is that we would listen and obey to what God has said. Amen? We need to understand this, and this is all throughout Scripture. I'd love to read you at least a dozen Scriptures this morning that, that bear this out, but there are about a dozen Scriptures that I've found that, that bear this out, that a healthy ear is key to a healthy heart. In order to be healthy spiritually, we need to have ears that can hear the voice of the Spirit, that can hear the voice of God. Your ear and your heart are connected. And a listening ear is key to a healthy heart. Amen. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 17, it says, Incline your ear to hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. As I said, there are at least a dozen scriptures where the ear and the heart are tied together. Our ability to hear what God is saying is key to the condition of our heart. Hebrews chapter 3 bears this out. This is verses 7 through 15. Listen to this. It says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, as the Holy Spirit speaks, today, if you will hear his voice, there's the hearing, do not harden your hearts 
as in the day of rebellion, in the day of the trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was angry with that generation and said, they always do go astray in their heart, and they have not known me or known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end while it is today. While, I'm sorry, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. There is a correlation here in hearing the voice of God and a tender heart. Over and over again, being able to hear what the voice of God is saying. We, we all know this phrase, what, what goes up must come down. We all, we all know that and have heard that, but it, 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 here's, here's another one. What, what goes into our heart will eventually come out. We need to be careful about what we're listening to. When, I, I love preaching. I'm a, a, a connoisseur of preaching, if you will. I, love to, I, I listen to it through the day. If I'm at the office playing, working, I, I, I will play messages. If I'm, uh, I, I do construction work as well. If I'm out there, I'll, I'll, I'll put it on the loudspeaker and listen to messages. I love to hear good preaching. But listen, anytime someone begins to put a question mark on the Word of God, I shut their mouth. Amen? Amen? What God has said is the authority. And let every, let every other man be a liar. God's Word is truth. And I'm going to stick to the Word of God. So if you begin to question the Word of God, I'm going to shut it out. Because I don't want it to begin to affect my heart. Amen? It's really, really important. And Jesus talks about this. Matthew chapter 15, he says, uh, he says are, are you also still without understanding? Do you not understand that whatever enters in the mouth goes to the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. And, and by the way, let, let me say this. We, I, I believe this. We, we think with our hearts. The Bible says that. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's what the scripture teaches. Science is actually bearing this out. They're, they're doing some research now with these. They, they've started to do uh, heart trans transplants within the last several years and they're finding out that when they do these heart transplants that the recipient of the heart is actually uh, beginning to think differently reason differently that the hobbies of the donor become the hobbies of the recipient there's even in a medical journal a record of, of a man who received a heart transplant from a teenager who died in a car crash and he has a reoccurring dream about that car crash so science is bearing out the fact that we think with our hearts. It's, it's tied to the thought process. And, and when you say, from the bottom of my heart, this is what I think, it's much deeper than when you say, off the top of my head. <laughs> off the top of your head is a shallow thought. <laughs> but a thought from the bottom of your heart, that's, that's a deep matter. 
I mean, this is the way I really feel about this thing. So what comes into our heart is vitally important because out of our heart flow the issues of life, the Word of God tells us, it's going to determine the course of our life. The, the condition of your heart will determine the course of your life. So we've got to make sure that we're hearing the Word that God is saying so that it, it, it builds a strong, uh, healthy heart in us that will lead and guide us in our life. Our heart... determines the course of our lives. And what we hear ultimately shapes our heart. How, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. hearing. And hearing the word of the Lord. There's a difference in hearing and having heard in that verse. What do you mean? There, there's somebody sitting in this room this morning that's hearing me, but hasn't heard me. They couldn't tell you a single thing I've said this morning because they're tuned out. Have you ever been in a conversation where, I mean, their mouths are moving, but you're not hearing a word they're saying? There's a difference in hearing. You hear the words they're saying, but it's not connecting to your heart. There's a difference in hearing and having heard. I mean, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So in, in the same way, if, if we're not careful, we can hear what God is saying without receiving his truth into our hearts, into our spirits. We, we can go to church without life transformation. We can hear the preacher and it has no effect on our life. We need to be really careful. I've got, and I didn't intend to, to give these, I, I, I won't, I, it's actually a teaching series that I've got. I've got all the notes here for it. I won't give you all the, 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 the verses to go with this or elaborate on them. Let me just give you seven things quickly that will help you to be a good listener. You, you, you can tell a lot, and we're going to see this in a minute, you can tell a lot by the way people listen, right? One, one of the big problems in our, in our nation, in our, in our culture, is that we don't listen to hear, we listen to make a point. We've already determined how we feel about a matter, and we're going to prove it. And so we're just listening to how we can cut in on the conversation and prove you wrong. We need to learn to listen to hear. So here are seven things. Never assume that the Word of God is for somebody else. Right? Brother so-and-so sitting next to me needed to hear that one today. No. When we sit in the house of God, we need to say that word was for me. God was speaking to me today. Amen? Never assume the word's for someone else. Number two, don't shut out the preacher because of personal preferences. Some of you didn't like me. It's just natural. Any, any group of people that you walk into, there's probably going to be some of that doesn't like you. Somebody didn't like me this morning. Can you believe that? When I walked in. And so they've tuned me out. Don't assume... Don't shut out the preacher because of personal preferences. Number three, don't get offended with the preacher. We shut them down, right? Because they made us mad. They didn't recognize us or whatever it was, and we shut them out. Number four, pray for the illumination of the Holy Spirit every time you read the Bible or listen to a message. Holy Spirit, I'm about to get into your word. Open it to the eyes of my understanding so I can hear what you're saying to me. Pray for the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Number five, uh, eliminate the distractions of the world. It's important what you're listening to, what you're watching, what you're consuming, your, 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 your fellowship circle. The gossip, if you're not careful, will come and choke out the word that God's trying to speak to you. Be careful. Eliminate all the distractions of the world. Number six, maintain a teachable spirit. And number seven, listen and receive. And just one verse on that. I love this. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. This is in the Holman Bible. It says, This is why we constantly thank God, because when you received the message about God that you heard from us, you welcomed it 
not as a human message, but as it truly is, the message of God, which also works effectively in you believers. So we've got to be careful about the way that we listen. We need to have a, a strong capacity to hear. I want you to hear these words of Jesus. This is in John chapter 8, verse 37. He says, some of you are trying to kill me. Listen to this. This is New Living Translation. Because there is no room in your hearts for my message. Going on down to verse 43, he says, why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil. You love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He, was always he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which, is, which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to his words, to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. As I said earlier, you can tell a lot about a person by the way that they listen. Listen, I, I, I believe this. this is the, I'm going to wrap up with this thought. I believe it is vital for us as the children of God to be able to hear his voice. In this day that we live in, we have got to tune our ears to the voice of God. He who can hear the voice of the Spirit will win the day. You want victory at your workplace? Get up and hear the voice of God. I heard my, my friend, Pastor Paul Mason, we were preaching a conference a couple weeks ago in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and, and he told the story about how his mentor taught him this principle. Don't leave the house, don't get out of the bed before you hear the word of God for the day. So he, every, every morning before he gets on, start, his day started, he gets into the Bible and says, Lord, speak to me a word for this day. And he said, it, it's amazing how often that word that God shows him is, is put into use throughout that day, either to minister to somebody, to bring salvation to somebody, to help someone. He said there was a conference that he was at. He had, he had organized this large uh, youth conference in, in, in Arkansas and, and the uh, the, the speaker missed his flight, wasn't able to get there on time for that evening session. And so the, 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 the leadership of that conference came to him and said, Paul, we believe you're supposed to speak. And you know what he did? This, this, this is the song before the message. And they come to him and said, Paul, we believe you're supposed to speak tonight. And he took a big gulp and said, oh my goodness, okay. And he stood up and he shared the scripture that God had showed him that morning and begin to preach an entire message to a youth conference. And the response, when you hear him talk about it, just hundreds of young people coming to the altar. He talks about this one kid that he saw way up in the balcony of the stadium, and he had a mohawk and, and all these piercings and tattoos and stuff. And he, and he said, the last person that I expected to, to be in the altar was that young man, and he was the first one to the altar. Why? Because he had the word of the Lord for the moment. It's important that we hear the voice of God. Those who hear the voice of the Spirit will win the day. I believe your ability to hear determines what you're going to become. And so your ability 
to hear determines what you're going to re receive, what you're going to be able to, to attain. I'm talking about spiritual things. And, and it's going to determine what you're able to do. If we're going to be able to respond to what's happening in our times, we've got to be able to hear the voice of God. Listen, we, we've discounted this young generation that's coming up. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me. We were in a meeting in, in Owensboro, Kentucky, a, a couple about two years ago, and the Holy Spirit spoke about our nation. I was, I was contemplating the darkness that's, that's covered our nation. The Holy Spirit spoke to me, and, I, and he said this. He said, I'm going to move in our nation. And he said, it will not be without the millennials. And he said, they will be at the forefront of the next great awakening in the United States of America. I believe that. It's easy to look at our kids and our grandkids and write them off and say they're godless and they're hopeless and God can't do anything for them because they're, they're so lost. No. We've got to listen to the voice of God. We've got to see with different eyes what, what the Holy Spirit is up to. When, when, when you can hear the voice of God, it separates you from the crowd. It will put you at the forefront. I believe that. Jonathan heard what God said. Saul heard it too, but he didn't hear it. Jonathan heard it, and he heard it. The greatest military force on the planet was arrayed before Saul and Jonathan. Saul cowered under the pomegranate tree because he hadn't heard what God had said. He'd heard it, but he hadn't taken it into his heart. But Jonathan believed what God said. And he turned to his armor bearer and said, hey, let's go take these guys on. Right? And Jonathan stepped out on the edge. And he became the epicenter. God joined Jonathan in his fight. And Jonathan and his armor bearer led Israel, who ultimately would rally to his side. I mean, those men had ran to the caves and to the rocks and the forest to hide because they were afraid of the, the, the Philistine army. Some of them even ran back to their wives and moms for protection. <laughs> but those dysfunctional, backslidden men began to come out of the, their hiding places and join the fight. And because Jonathan heard the voice of God in an impossible situation... God wrought victory through Jonathan that day. You think about it. We've got to be a people who can hear the voice of God. I, there's, a, there's a saying, I love this, Frederick Nietzsche, he, he said this, he said, those who were dancing were thought to be insane by those who could not hear the music. Can you hear heaven's melody? The people that hear the voice of God look out of their minds to everybody else. You're nuts. Why are you doing that? Why, why do you give money when you don't have it? Why do you witness to people who are going to reject you? Why do you help those people? They're just going to be like that forever. No, but the Holy Spirit's speaking you, speaking to you, and, and they can't hear it. There's another, my wife's British, and so this, this Celtic proverb, I love it. It says, never give a sword to somebody who can't dance. <laughs> Can you hear the, heaven, the, the music of heaven? 
Is your ear in tune with what God is saying? Can we hear the voice of the Spirit? I'm going to close with the scripture, Luke 18, or Luke 8, verse 18. I'm going to ask my wife to come and play on the piano here. But Luke 18, verse, or, I'm sorry, Luke 8, verse 18, it says, So pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But those who are not listening, even what they think they have or they understand will be taken away from them. Think of that. When you look at the the meaning of the word hear in in the Hebrew, here's what it means. It means to pay attention. To drink deeply. To take hold of. And to apply towards your heart. Let me say that again. To hear means to pay attention. To drink deeply. To take hold of and to apply the heart toward love it. We were in uh, Rockport, Indiana. It's about four years ago, ministering. I, I preached this message. It was, it, was, it was about hearing the music from heaven. Jesus says, what, to what shall I liken this generation? You're like a, a bunch of kids. And when the music plays, you don't dance. When the dirge is played, you don't mourn. What's Jesus saying to him? He's saying, you don't understand what God is doing. He rebukes Jesus in that, in that same passage. He rebukes the cities where he had done all of his miracles, all of his works. And he says, if I had done those works in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented. But I've done all these works in your midst and you rejected me. said, I sent John to you. You rejected him. I came to you. You called me a glutton and a a drunkard. What's Jesus' message to the people to which he was sent? God speaking, but you can't hear. God's moving, and you're missing it. Church people miss what God's doing. Disciples, there's a remnant. There's a people that hear the voice of God. They dance to the beat of a different drum. So I I preached this message in Rockport, Indiana. And the Lord led me to gather everybody down into the altar and to pray. And I I began to go through and pray that the Lord would open ears to be able to hear and to, 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 to flow with Him and to operate with the power of the Spirit and just move through that altar and prayed. And I saw this gentleman, he went out of the church. He came back in a few minutes later and he came over to the side of the altar where I was praying and he, he tugged on my jacket and he said, Hey, hey Brother Chad, I, 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 I want to tell you something. I, 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 my, my hearing has been healed. My physical hearing has been healed. He said, I had to go outside where it was quiet 
to make sure that what I thought happened had really happened. You see, he said, I, was, I, I worked in construction and he was a granite installer and cut that granite for decades without ear protection. And he was also a musician and played that guitar without ear protection. And his hearing, hearing had been destroyed. And he said there's a constant ring there's a name for it, a medical term, but there, there was a constant ring in his ears. And he said, when you prayed for me, it stopped. My hearing has been stored, restored 100%. I can hear clearly for the first time in years. You know, there, there's a ring. There's, there's, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of clutter in this world that it inhibits our ability to hear what God's saying. God still speaks. And if you'll still yourself, you'll be able to hear the voice of God. Religion teaches men that if you want to hear from God, you have to come to somebody like me, a professional preacher. Or it's only through the church the reality is God wants to speak to each and every one of us individually. Now, on the flip side of that, here's what I found. Every time that God speaks to me, it always leads me to the church and doesn't disconnect me. I had, when we were pastoring in Texas, I had this couple came in. I, they, they, they said they were preachers and they wanted to minister in our church. And I said, well, where's your home church? Who's your pastor? I'd never had met these people. Oh, well, we don't have a home church. I said, really? Who, so who covers? Oh, we don't believe in that. The, 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 they were blaming the Holy Spirit for their dysfunction. They said, you know, the Holy Spirit is a wind, and it blows here and there, and you hear the sound, but you don't know where it's going. We just follow the wind of the Holy Spirit. Listen, when you hear God, it will not make you weird. It won't stir rebellion in you and disconnection from the body. Every time the Spirit of God has spoken to me, it moves me towards the body. It brings me back under covering. It tells me to humble myself and not be so arrogant. To walk in relationship, that I need fellowship, that I need covering, that I need accountability. I need correction at times. So the Holy Spirit doesn't make us weird guys that are just like leaves blown in the wind. No, he says, I... I gave the apostles, prophets, the body of Christ, right, that, that you would be no more tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, the cunning craftiness of men. The voice of God establishes us. Amen? Amen. It doesn't confuse us. It's not chaotic. The voice of the Spirit brings order. It brings life. It brings peace. It brings safety. We need to learn to hear the voice of God again. Can we stand together? I just want to open this altar.